Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Thursday, Silver 7's is our home. Jed's here running things. Willie Ramirez is the company. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Silver 7's, Flamingo, and Paradise Happy Hour has begun. 277 on lots of the drinks. Sign up for the A-Play card. They've got gift giveaways three days a week, and we'll tell you about all your cool giveaways and also what's going on upstairs at the Sterling Spoon. Incredibly busy day around Las Vegas. You know, we say this, and it's July, and you're like, oh, well, you know, what can be that busy? Well, we got NBA Summer League tipping off today. The Raiders make a historic announcement. Uh, we got some of that college conference Armageddon stuff going on, so let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. So, massive story with the Raiders on so many fronts. It's massive for the NFL with the hire of Sandra Douglas Morgan. It's massive for the Raiders because they certainly need someone to be in charge of you know, mostly the business ops when you're the president of the organization. And that's been in tumult with Dan Ventrelli out. Fired. Uh, Mark Bedane walking a while back. Got to have someone new to lead the organization uh, for both. And again, I said it's big for the NFL. It's historic because it's the first black woman to be the president of an NFL organization. This has been a league historically that has had a lot of trouble embracing diversity and diversity in power positions that's how you make change so massive on those fronts and also because she's a true local it's massive for residents of las vegas i believe it's gigantic for the unlv raiders relationship when it comes to allegiant stadium and all the things that unlv possibly could do with a lot more help from the raiders so i think this is a bang up hire uh, I will not listen to people who are like, oh, you know, they just made the hire because they're going to sweep all the problems under the rug. Uh, the new president, Sandra Douglas Morgan, took it head on in her opening statement. You're going to hear that in a couple minutes and said, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm aware of what's going on and we're going to work on things. And that's really all you can do is, and, and on the flip side, I don't know that the commanders have really done yeoman's work on trying to clean things up. It seems like a lot of the problems are still there, Willie. I believe that they want to clean things up. I believe the new president is in. You know, that's one of her first concerns. Make sure it's a good work environment. You know, people feel safe at work. You know, we'll see how they do on the field. I feel like they're going in the right direction. So today's a really good day for the Raiders, and it's a really big day for the National Football League and for Vegas. When one of our locals, think about this, she's a barrier breaker. She grew up here. That's massive and a brilliant move by Mark Davis because you know in a lot of ways you don't want to feel like there's people coming into our market from the outside who don't understand it she understands it I absolutely love the hire and <clears throat> it goes beyond saying that they hired that Mark Davis hired a local I had a chance to talk with her a little bit after everybody sort of dispersed and I went over just to introduce myself you know as a local AP guy but what I told her I appreciated most is when she used the word community, why she knows that, what that word means in this town. Okay, she moved here when she was two. And the daughter of an Air Forceman, and no, she is far from a military brat. She grew up 
in Northtown. She went to El Dorado High School. These are old pockets of historic West Las Vegas, North Las Vegas. She understands the word community, how important it is. We're not talking about it. This is not a slam toward the, you know, a lot of the upper crust um, neighborhoods like Summerlin, like Green Valley, like Spring Valley when it emerged in the 80s, the Northwest. I'm not slamming those areas, but when you talk about old school Las Vegas and community and the importance of bringing people together and the importance of having somebody who knows the roots and the tradition of old school Southern Nevada, Mark Davis swung for the fences and cleared the ballpark with this hire. She is going to be, let me tell you something, she is, as you said, Steve, it's not just good for this town, it's not just good for the organization. This is going to have a rippling effect on the National Football League and quite possibly professional sports. Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new president of the Raiders. Here's her opening statement. I thought it was uh, impressive, came across confident, and covered a lot of points. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for such a warm um, introduction. It's my honor to be here today as the newest member of the Raiders family. As I shared with the team earlier today, I was raised in Las Vegas and have truly witnessed this city ascend to one of the sports capitals of the world, um, visited by millions across the globe, and it is an honor of a lifetime to serve as the president of this organization. The Raiders, or, or, the Raiders organization has actually brought $2.29 billion in economic impact of visitors for events in, in Allegiant Stadium. And the estimated impact of the Super Bowl in 2024 is estimated to be in the billions as well. We have so much more to do, and I'm excited to be at the helm of that growth and look forward to ushering in the new chapter for the Raiders. Thank you, Mark, for your faith in me to lead this organization in this very important moment. I'm very grateful that my dearest, dearest friends and family, my parents, husband, children, and nephews could be here today. Um, your support means the world to me, and I do not take it for granted. Football has long been in my family. Uh, my husband is an NFL veteran. He was a strong safety for two teams I won't mention because we're all a part of Raider Nation today. Um, and I have a long history in the sports, entertainment, and gaming industries. I have served on the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and most recently I was chairwoman of the Nevada Gaming Control Board. But I've also always felt a passion for community and protecting our community, which I did day in and day out while serving with the state's COVID-19 task force. I've lived in Las Vegas for over 40 years. My father is an um, Air Force veteran and retired at Nellis. I attended preschool here and did all of my schooling here and graduated from El Dorado High School. I'm deeply, deeply passionate about this community and the people that I have the privilege to encounter every day. I've served on a number of boards that have helped people throughout the region and the state. And I strongly believe that each one of us has a role to play in mentoring and supporting our community's most vulnerable. And the responsibility that we share in this Raiders organization to make an everlasting and positive impact on this community. So when Mark and I first discussed this opportunity, I was honored and humbled, but I also had a lot of questions. It's no secret that this organization has faced some recent challenges. But I wanna be clear, I am not here to sweep anything under the rug or avoid problems or concerns that need to be addressed. The fact is I accepted this role because I believe in the promise of the Raiders. I believe in the future of the Raiders. And I believe in this organization's tenets of integrity, community, and most of all, commitment to excellence. 
I believe in the Davis family's legacy of celebrating and promoting diversity in every sense of that word. I believe in this community that we now call home that has embraced this team with open arms. It is not lost on me that this is a critical and defining moment in the NFL. It's important to me and it is my intention to make a meaningful contribution well beyond the Raiders family. And I'm excited to get started. I had an opportunity to meet uh, Dave Ziegler and Coach McDaniels, and I know that the experience and the enthusiasm they bring will help this team build on one of the best seasons in Raiders recent history. Reaching the playoffs was an incredible accomplishment, and let's not forget, we want that home field advantage when we host the Super Bowl in 2024. The greatness that we see on that field, my goal is to replicate that throughout this organization. That culture of winning, teamwork and transparency will be a part of everything we do. It will be how we continue to fulfill our promise to be a part of the fabric of the Las Vegas community and bring a new generation of fans into Raider Nation. I mentioned how this team changed the landscape here. Just five years ago, who would have thought that we would have hosted the Pro Bowl, the draft, and now the Super Bowl? This beautiful house that we've built will be the catalyst for so many more global sports and entertainment events and create jobs and continue to feed our economy. So we all have the honor, and more importantly, the responsibility of playing a major role in making sure Las Vegas remains the sports and entertainment capital of the world, and rest assured, this is just the beginning. So I really want to thank Mark for entrusting me with the authority to lead this team and to craft a world-class organization that will make us even stronger. The Raiders have a long legacy of greatness and of bold moves because of the people behind the scenes and those on the field, and because of visionaries like Mark and his father, Al. I look forward to fulfilling the promise of two legacies and one future for Raider Nation and Las Vegas. Thank you. There you go. The new president of the Raiders took a little while. Lots of interviews. Mark Davis said he spoke to a bunch of different candidates. They kept it very much under wraps. And then we found out this morning, Sandra Douglas Morgan, a local from right here in Las Vegas, you know, basically her whole life uh, spent here in Las Vegas. And on the board of Allegiant, on the board of Caesars. You heard the Nevada State Athletic Commission, also our gaming board, so her ties to Vegas are very, very deep. And I believe the Raiders are going in the right direction in terms of the coaching staff, football management. With what we heard about some of the stuff behind the scenes, they need to run more like a multi-billion dollar corporation. And I think that's what they're gonna do now. This is the person to lead them down that path. NBA Summer League's in town. We're gonna to talk to one of the NBA uh, hosts and analysts, Cassidy Hubbard from ESPN in just a couple of minutes. And we will get back to this big day for the Raiders and very big day for the National Football League. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Let me channel my inner Brian Windhorst for a sec. Why would KD want out? It makes zero sense to me that he wants to be traded at this point. I don't believe he believes it. I think Kevin Durant is doing this as a scare tactic to help Kyrie Irving have leverage to get him signed long-term with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Kendrick Perkins. Now that's a hot take. We'll get to that in about five minutes. Cofield, Willie, Jed down here at Silver 7, just down the road from Thomas and & Mack and Cox Pavilion. NBA Summer League is on the ground, so we want to talk some NBA. As uh, Cassidy Hubbard from ESPN is with us here on this Thursday. How are you? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. So right off the bat, we're going to change directions from the NBA just for a brief second because I do want your take as a female, as a journalist, as someone who's rising in the ranks in a predominantly male world. I don't know if you saw that the Raiders hired the first female uh, black president of an organization today. Um, I just want you to talk about the, the, the forward moves that women are making in all aspects of sports. Um, I think my first response is that there's still a lot more to go. <laughs> like, I want to say yes, I'm set, let's celebrate. Um, I, you know, Sandra, what I understand is incredibly accomplished, and this is a great celebration, um, you know, and recognition for her and, and, you know, good move by the Raiders. But um, I think ultimately, like, where we need to go is where it's not a celebration. It's a norm. I think that's my take. And especially in the current landscape across our country. We'll get a better line here in a second. Um, I think the direction she's going in as well is the situation that the new Raiders president is being brought into is one that needs fixing. And a lot of the fixing is based on how women were being, allegedly, being treated in the workplace. And we have the same thing going on with the commanders, and obviously there's been problems with the Dallas Cowboys. But one of the ways to fix those things is to get a more diverse workplace where people feel more comfortable talking about these issues, don't feel like they're going to get bullied or fired. So I like that. That's a good first take on that, that, hey, it's a step, but, like, we're not done yet. Right. And that's and, and it's, it's certainly something that Sandra said with the media see, She said, we have a lot of work to do. It was, like, right off the bat, too. Yeah. I was actually surprised that she addressed it. I love that she addressed it. Willie and I were both out at Allegiant Stadium today with, you know, a few dozen media people, a uh, big uh, contingent of uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan family members, uh, lots of power brokers from the community out there, and Mark Davis did a, a quick intro and then right into it. Hey, we, you know, I recognize there are some there are some problems, and uh, you know they've been detailed in the media. Well, and, and uh, we have Cassidy back, yes. so I'm yes. going. I'm going to welcome. Sorry, guys, my, I didn't gonna, realize that my phone was cutting in and That's out. All right, all I'm, right. I, I we, we got go- most of it. I'm going to welcome my NBA summer league sister. That my my. Familia, if you will, that uh, I always appreciate seeing every single summer, and we've been trying to get this, but Cassidy stays so busy. And, uh, man, Cassidy, the first thing i got to ask you is the NBA, It's you know, we've been overwhelmed in Las Vegas with the NFL during the offseason because we realized there is no offseason. Has this been one of the best, if not the best, craziest, busiest offseasons for you? I know the finals just finished not too long ago, but this has been incredible. I think that's the I think that's the biggest point where you just like said that the the season just ended. <laughs> you know, like this has been a quick turnaround and I think I'm I mean I'm used to the turnaround of being quick from the draft to summer league, but I, I think it's just just like the players and what I gathered talking to these to these guys throughout the season. This was a draining season. Um especially just because of the quick turnaround last year. Uh, you know, when the season ended, um, you know, at, like in July. And um, it just, and then like with some, I, I don't think people remember, like there was a lot of stoppages and, and guys in and out and bringing in guys off the street to play. It was just like a very odd 
start of the season, and it finished really strong. And now with you know free agency and Kevin Durant um, requesting a trade, like yes, it's. I mean, it it, it feels like we've been um, you know going 110 miles per hour you know throughout the playoffs and still heading into summer league. So I agree with you, Willie. It's been it's been nonstop, and as much as the NFL is is uh, perceived as a you know, um, 365 day sport like the NBA is right there with them. And you know, I saw your your IG story and and well, hello Las Vegas. This has always been a favorite spot for you. I saw the little promo spot in terms of you know coming to Vegas, whether it's for the entire uh, league. I know I know there was a one point there were a couple of years in a row you'd come in and then you you'd fly out to go uh, co-host the red carpet or you'd be at the ESPYs. But why has this always been somewhat of a favorite spot for you? It's almost as if I got to go to work, but I'm not really working. Oh, really? Don't get don't get twisted. <laughs> we working out here. <laughs> we are working. There's two games a day, but I will just say, you know, I've always loved summer league because, you know, uh, not to bring up the NFL again, but um, in the NFL, like on Super Bowl, that's when the whole league comes together and, you know, players and coaches and GMs are all in one spot. That doesn't really happen with the NBA Finals. It's typically just the two teams playing. And I think really Summer League is the only event for the NBA where you, you see a bunch of people from different teams, different organizations, different star players, all getting together. Um, and I just love, you know, the casual feeling in the air, and people all still have hope <laughs> because the season hasn't started and they're excited about their new pickup. So, like, in, you know, in a time where, like, we're all desperate for good vibes, Summer League is all good vibes. And, um, you know, I just, I, I've always appreciated my time here. And I don't, I don't even know what year this is. Maybe this is seven for me doing summer league. Um, and it's just, if you love basketball, like, I just don't think that there's an experience in professional sports like it. You could just go and watch basketball all day. And, oh, by the way, maybe able to be, you know, five feet away from LeBron James. Yeah. He's watching, you know, the Lakers. So I just think it's just a special and unique experience in professional sports. Yeah, we tell the local fans all the time, uh, you're not going to get this kind of access to uh, basketball luminaries. It really is an American basketball convention. they got two arenas going most of the day. It's 11 days, 75-plus uh, games. Cassidy Harbert is with us, uh, ESPN NBA expert. So let me get your take, and, and Willie wants uh, your opinion on a couple of uh, important stories. We just heard Kendrick Perkins on the way back. I thought that was a brilliant take. I hadn't heard that one, that Kevin Durant might be doing a leverage play here. What do you think of this? Because uh, I'm actually a longtime Nets fan from New Jersey, and uh, I don't, I don't want to trade Kevin Durant, and I hope they can work this out. But what do you think of this? Does Durant really want to go or not? Um, you know, it's just in talking to people around the league, I, it, it's hard. I mean, the Rudy Gobert trade changed a lot. <laughs> it changed a lot. Um, the price done gone up, is as they say. Yeah. You know, um, if if Rudy Bo- Gobert is getting essentially five first round picks. Um, you know what? You know like, what is Sean Marks going to be asking for for arguably right. the best player in the league? I like is so I, I don't know. I mean the it, it's it's up to Sean Marks and it's up to the league. I mean I know that they're fielding a lot of. I mean they should be getting offers from every single team because it's Kevin Durant. But um, you know not everybody can pull off uh, you know a package for Kevin Durant and the Nets are going to, you know, the Nets aren't in tanking mode. Um, and so it's, like, I don't know what makes sense. Like, uh, you know, you hear things 
packages like, you know, can can the the Raptors figure out something with Scotty Barnes? Can Pelicans figure out something with Brandon Ingram? I, but I just that makes sense for for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, because you're still losing Kevin Durant. So I, I'm not in inside Kevin Durant's head. I I was confused as to why, you know, what what play he you know he has right now with. You know, asking out, especially if Kyrie, if they can't move Kyrie, um, I just think there was a lot of frustration last year in Brooklyn, a lot. Um, and I don't know why this would be the answer for Kevin Durant, but um, you know, I, 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 I don't think a lot of people were were happy, <laughs> specifically um, Kevin Durant, who showed up when he wasn't like injured. Uh, he he was the one who showed up and played. Um, so it's uh, it's it's an interesting situation. I know we're all kind of waiting, uh, you know, refreshing our phones every second to see if the deal can get done. I just I just think it's really hard for one to get done. So Cassie, a couple of weeks ago, LeBron comes out and says that he wants to be the one that brings the NBA to Las Vegas. And I, I talked to Boogie Cousins a couple of weeks ago after an Aces game. I talked to Matt Barnes last night just to get their take on his comments, and they both were like, "Well, we went in on it too." What is your take in terms of what would the marriage between LeBron, the NBA, and Las Vegas mean? I mean, can you imagine that France? One thing to bring it here, but a LeBron-owned team. I, I mean, I just think the electricity would be, would be wild. Yeah, look, I, I, I mean, Las Vegas should have, like, <laughs> look at the success of, of what, you know, like people showing up to the Raiders games. Like, it makes sense that, like, uh, an NBA team is here. Um, I will say I'm probably not, you know, like, your audience probably won't like this. I would like to see a team go to Seattle before uh, Las Vegas, just because I feel like Seattle deserves better <laughs> from not, you know, not having their yeah. Yeah. The, the supersonics anymore. But like, I, that doesn't mean that I don't think Vegas should, should also have a team. So, and then the combination of um, LeBron, like that's just, you know, like anything that LeBron is involved with is going to get major attention. So um, if he, does end up being uh, a team owner one day and bringing a team to Las Vegas. It's just another, um, you know, like sign that he is, he is more than an athlete. Like he is a monster businessman and I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. So I got, I got to ask you. Uh, so as I was, I was checking out your IG story. I also noticed you shared your, and you, you're very interactive with a lot of your fans and, and, and of course your, your coworkers and colleagues. But did you go to the Aces game last night? Were you there? Yeah, I was. Yep. I mean, I, okay. So I was there too. And I mean, well, for, forget about the fact that Sabrina Ionescu is well on her way to be to replacing Diana Taurasi. I'm talking like ten years down the road of being the goat because she's incredible. <laughs> but what did you think about the energy in the arena for a Wednesday night WNBA game? I mean, because yes. it was packed. <laughs> it was packed. Yeah, actually, you know, I have a good friend, Natalie Nakase, lead assistant Becky Hammonds um, on on her bench, and so I was there to to support her um, after she made the move. She was an assistant with the Clippers um, and now, you know, uh, joined Becky's staff. And she's so happy here. And, you know, um, Aces have been doing really well. And it just it was a great environment. Um, you know, I, like, I, it was, it, like I said, it was packed. And I think the home crowd was a little bummed that, you know, they couldn't stop, a, um, you know, like their defense kind of, fell apart in that fourth yeah. quarter. They were just yeah. raining threes on them because um, that game was pretty close throughout the 
you know, throughout until that fourth quarter. So, but it was, it was a great environment. So before we let you go, you've been uh, in Vegas a bunch of times in the past covering the Summer League. Do you, do you kind of have the city down? Do you have a couple of hot spots you like to go to, some food, anywhere else you like to hang out when you have time? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I hate that I'm such a bore, but, like, you know, I'm typically on the late-night games. Yeah. So, um, and tonight, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm coming from the East Coast, so I'm, I'm trying to, like, you know, get myself prepared for a midnight Eastern start time tonight. <laughs> that, you know you're old when you're like, oh, my goodness. But it's, it's going to be exciting. It's, you know, we have, we have, you know, four huge stars um, in terms of, you know, summer league play uh, on the docket tonight um, with, you know, Paolo and Jabari and Jaden. So I think it's going to be a fun opening night um, into, you know, a full day of games tomorrow. Well, that being said, Cassie, that means that uh, we need to let you let you get either some rest or at least rest <laughs> your voice a little bit. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I know there's plenty of times that I've asked you and you're like, Willie, I just there's this and this, and and so and this time you I mean you reach out to me so I really appreciate you coming on today and I can't wait to see you. I'll see you before you leave town and uh, I'll be watching you from afar tonight because I, I won't be able to get down there. But uh, I appreciate you joining us here on Cofield and Company. Anything for you, my friend Willie. I appreciate you guys having me on. Enjoy the rest of the day and those games tonight. <laughs> All right, thanks. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Now Gallo absolutely unloads. Where will it land? On the yellow umbrellas. Joey Gallo with a bomb to right center. Boy, was that stroke needed. His 10th of the year. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Joey Gallo home run, call courtesy of the Yes Network. Yankees-Boston, that was Yankees-Pirates, that was kind of a mismatch. Pirates choose not to spend money, so they have a, kind of a lousy roster and they get their ass kicked by the Yankees and Josh Van Meter pitched an inning, gave up eight hits and six runs. But Gallo had a home run. Listen, he's still scuffling. He's trying to get out of this. He's uh, hitting 167, 10 homers, 19 ribbies. Speaking of hometown heroes, so, Willie, you and Cassidy Hubbard from uh, ESPN were just talking about the Aces game and the environment, and then Ionescu's there for the Liberty, former Oregon player, and, you know, nice celebration event, T-shirt giveaways, cool hats for sale, really good for the Aces. But what's not good right now is they're not playing good basketball, and then you're hearing from the players like, Man, we need a break. What do you think Asia Wilson was getting at after the game? Is uh, this has not been a good run the last couple of weeks for Las Vegas? I don't, I don't think anything. I know because because she was point blank about it. She said we need time away from each other. We're breaking up. We're, Ooh, we're wow. Yeah, she said she, she, we're we're briefly breaking up. She goes, and then she laughed. She goes, we'll get back together in, next week, but we need a break from each other. And not not said, a break from basketball. They've lost five or seven. Sorry to cut you off. She yeah. said, it's been hell. Sucks when you're losing. This break is good for us. Step away from the game. We can't listen to the outside noise. We're pros. We need to find a way how to adapt and adjust and get the job done. Yeah. they do. Well, they do. And the thing is, is what, what I got from it is that there's obviously frustration in the locker room afterwards, and it's hard for players to ex- sort of express that frustration 
without feeling as if you're passing the buck, you're placing the blame, you're pointing the finger. But the bottom line is the bench comes in and produces last night, and but nobody's playing defense. And I've been clamoring this. I saw you putting the numbers out. It's just it's been horrendous. For the past X amount of games. I mean, this is a team that allowed 80.3 points per game in their first 13. They went into last night allowing an average of 89.7 the Liberty had 104 points with 241 left and end up putting up 116 points. That is that is the league high for this season. And uh, this is on the heels of absolute destruction at the hands of a not very good Lynx team. Right. And, 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 and two of the biggest uh, defensive collapses of the league this year. That's it. Both losses were at home. Vegas giving up 116 to New York last night. Vegas giving up 104 to the Chicago Sky in that loss. Not good. Not good at all. 364-1100. Caller 7 right now. Giveaway Black Keys. Saturday, July 9th. Show goes down at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. If you don't get the tickets from Ari, you can grab them at AXS.com. But we got two tickets. July 9th show. The Black Keys are in town. 364-1100. We'll uh, continue to talk a, a very important WA, uh, NBA angle on the way back. If you didn't see it, Brittany Griner, 130 days in jail in Russia. Today, she pled guilty. Uh, we'll find out why she did that from legal analyst Xavier Pope. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope. He is live on Cofield and Company. Hey, during the update there, you heard Sandra Douglas Morgan, president of the Raiders. We'll get to that big day of uh, news here in Vegas and the NFL in just a couple minutes. Xavier Pope is up with us. But first story out of the gates, Xavier, we got to get to uh, Brittany Griner. First of all, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing? Uh, real good. Why did Brittany Griner plead guilty in Russia? Well, because it's practically certain that if you're charged with a crime in Russia, you're going to be convicted of the crime. Uh, and so uh, this was an effort to move the process along to get to a prisoner exchange. There were already authorities from Russia saying that they would not even contemplate uh, a prisoner exchange unless uh, there was a trial and then it was after a trial. So this just puts this in an expedited form to move the process along so they can so there's something that can be used for a prisoner swap. Do you believe this is on the table of President Biden? I know he talked to Griner's wife. Yeah, I think it is on the table. I think that uh, this is an attention of uh, massive importance. It involves a professional sports league, one of its marquee stars. It also uh, includes an African-American woman who has an African-American woman vice president. Uh, I think that he is someone who would probably be sensitive to these issues. I just think that um, the it's so, so much more complex than just bring her home. Even though this expedites the process in terms of the expectations of a prisoner swap, this also cements her as a basically admitting to a crime and putting her in a position where Russia, Russia can use that as leverage to hold her a little bit longer. Listen, I know a lot of people are frustrated about what's happened here with the Russians and Griner, but some of the tact I've seen and some of the comments I think is irresponsible. I, I don't think that uh, folks who uh, often feel like they're they're cheated and misrepresented should be turning on each other, and that brings us to 
uh, Vanessa Nygaard making a comment about LeBron James with the relation of Brittany Griner. Like, why are we somehow making LeBron James a bad guy in this? It, 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 it's unfortunate because you have people from marginalized groups criticizing an African-American player who use a significant portion of his platform for social justice um, in order getting, helping to leverage the NBA to get, um, get voting access into critical states that flip tide of using African-American Latino voters um, for Joe Biden. I think that uh, he is the absolute wrong player. He's not an owner of the N- NBA whatsoever. Uh, he's not involved with the disparity in payment between the WNBA and NBA. And this is some of the same tactics that Fox News and some of the right-wing personalities use against LeBron in relation to China and a relationship and using that as a backdoor way to uh, really uh, underhanded racist views during the, begin- during the pandemic when people were going at China in terms of a place and that using that as a, as a ruse to criticize LeBron James with undertones of racism. And so you can't use those same tactics when you're criticizing the NBA. Keep it there with the mostly white owners. Leave LeBron, black labor out of this discussion. Xavier Pope is with us, uh, attorney, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor right here on Cofield and Company. So let's get to um, one story of interest in your city and then one horrific, tragic story uh, in your area. First, the Bears and Soldier Field and the mayor and a dome? What, what is going on? Well, I mean, talk about something that seems financially ridiculous as a fix. Building a dome on an existing state. What are we doing here? It, it, it is almost costing as much to build half of a stadium to do it. Um, it's already because of the landmark status of Soldier Field. They had to basically drop a spaceship on top of Roman Coliseum um, in terms of the way it's structured. So there's these mismatched, ugly styles, the ugliest stadium in probably the National Football League. And then you're, and because you can't expand the capacity because some of the issues with the, with other organizations keeping uh, the Bears within that specific spot and not being able to expand beyond that, decided to put a dome on there to attract attention to other large events. I, 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 this isn't the fix. The Bears already have a plot of land in Arlington Heights. Nobody wants to go out in Arlington Heights. It's a Chicago thing to have all the stadiums within the city. I do think something is going to get worked out. But I don't think this is necessarily the, the, the pathway to get it done. All right, and then the tragic story, you know, Fourth uh, of July weekend just destroyed by some psycho who goes out and starts shooting up a parade in, in Highland Park. And I think one of the legal questions I had out of this is the, uh, the shooter, you know, had a, a detailed background of being a dangerous guy and a psycho, and they worried about him with certain weapons. And then it looks like his father's admitting, hey, he helped him get an owner's ID card, in essence, enabled him to get the gun, and he, I mean, he admitted it. So um, could the father be brought up on criminal charges, or is this more of a, a civil deal where I assume people are going to go after dad too? Uh, the dad is, well, the, the son is not a minor. He's an, he's an adult, 22 years old. Um, and so I, that doesn't, that puts him in a position that he isn't responsible for the life of this this other person uh he didn't do it in furtherance of the crime in and of itself unfortunately it's really not actionable it's not much people can do to charge him criminally or try to sue him civilly for it so nothing civil huh and then it said you know reading more on it he legally obtained the gun steve so you we talk about these red flag laws and a lot of the criticism that comes against them is saying they shouldn't exist that doesn't mean because 
you have two steps to the red flag system, the actual flagging itself, and you have that, and then uh, being able to trigger that flag. And so I, I, I think that the way that red flag laws have to be tightened in jurisdictions that are attempting to keep guns, dangerous weapons out of people's hands, that's where the bigger issue is, not necessarily whether in this particular case the, the, the father is criminally or civilly liable right now. The law just really, really doesn't account for it right now. Xavier Pope is with us. All right, well, let's talk about first the Raiders, and we can tie it to the San Jose Sharks. Mike Greer is the new GM of the Sharks. He's the first black GM in the National Hockey League. And then with all of the workplace issues, all of the female workplace issues being investigated around the National Football League and specifically with the Raiders, uh, they go out and uh, break a barrier. Sandra Douglas Morgan, a Vegas local, is now the president of the Raiders. Why is this so big? What is big? Because you're seeing uh, Mike Greer's brother is, is, is a GM. And so all in the family with those guys, right? Um, those are proud parents, right? To have two uh, GMs in, in, in two different sports. Uh, but Mike Greer, and from a personal standpoint, I didn't see many black faces on the ice growing up. And one of the black faces I specifically remember as a kid was Mike Greer. Um, and he had a successful career in the NHL, and he was one of the careers I followed closely because he was one of the few faces that looked like me. Uh, and for a lot of uh, women who don't get a chance to play in the National Football League because it's an all-male sport, that doesn't necessarily mean they can't lead men and women within that sport, guiding teams, building teams, and building championship teams. And so this is monumental from a standpoint of women and also African-American as well. I think in African-American women, this is just more advancement that you've seen from many of them in the last couple of years, and it's great to see. You love to see it for both of them. Xavier, we just had Cassidy Hubbarth on a little bit ago, and she, she made a very interesting statement when we asked her about uh, the hiring of Sandra Douglas Morgan. She said, she paused. She actually took a pause and she said, it, it's, it's a good first step. How important is it in, in a sport like the NHL or, you know, in the NFL with the move that Mark Davis made to understand and appreciate that, hey, this is great, but there's still a ton of work to do? Well, the first thing to recognize is that a woman said that. And so the people who are the marginalized group, listen to them, their wisdom um, their hunger to be in an equitable spot are the voices you should listen to in terms of what are the directions and the opportunities um, that um, those that are in privileged positions can do to be able to bring about change. Listen to their ideas. Um, listen, bring on women to talk about issues related to women, which, which you all have done. And I think that is the most important thing, that you get representation from the start to the finish. Xavier Pope is with us here on a Thursday, Silver Sevens. All right, let's get to the uh, NBA Summer League. And uh, you know where I stand on Chet Holmgren. I think he should have been the number one pick. I know you've been banging on him as a you know tall, skinny guy. And, you know, it's uh, it just shows how cool the NBA is in terms of hype. Uh, one day in the Summer League, he looks good. The next day, he's getting pushed around by a 270-pounder and just complete opposite takes. This is what really is why the NBA is tremendous, because people are so vested, even in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, it makes the NBA has become just like the NFL. People invested in the talent, and that's just makes also because we realize that live television, live content has become 
the most valuable property. And so now people want to be engaged with watching Summer League or the Big Three or any USFL, XFL. People are hungry for sports. There are many different places to watch them, and, and we'll, we'll continue to get them fed. And, and NBA is one of those places that are feeding people through Summer League. And you still think that Holmgren's ever, he's going to have a really tough time, uh, even if he bulks up to like 215, a 7-1, 215, small forward, power forward, is going to be dead meat? Uh, I, I think he needs to get, he needs, people are trying to compare him to Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant gave him some props in the middle of that game, wearing number seven, wearing AD shoes. I get all that. The guy has some pretty good court vision. I was able to see that. Um, he could get up and down the court pretty quickly, but um, he suffers on defense. Uh, Kenny Lofton Jr. was a banging him back and forth, and a kid who, kid who should have been drafted himself. Um, and so um, what's going to happen when you go against bigger, stronger players that have been playing playing for quite some time? They're going to do some work with you. They are. They are. All right, we got to close out on this one. I, You know, you bring back old tweets all the time. I don't know how you remember or you catalog them. I don't know how you remember what you tweeted out from 2019. But I saw you tweet out or retweet a video of you doing uh, – some nifty moves, or you were mentioning yoga, you're doing a handstand. What the hell was going on? Well, you know, we had the, the senator out of Rhode Island, Sarah uh, Mack, yes. uh, put out a, 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 a headstand twerking video. And I thought it was pretty fun for her to do. Uh, whether people can say whether it's appropriate for political office, that's left to those who uh, feel uh, uncomfortable with a black woman getting upside down, showing her body is feeling comfortable with it. If we're a black woman at that. But to me, I was like, hey, I got on live TV <laughs> and, and twerked upside down the headstand. Who am I to judge? And I always like to say that. And so I shared a picture of me upside down on live TV, shaking my beautiful black ass. <laughs> <laughs> Very confident. Very confident. Uh, what do you got on Suit Up News this week? <laughs> oh, we're talking about all the stories we've been talking about today um, and all the issues surrounding Brittany Griner, uh, LeBron James. Uh, and uh, the, the, all the political wranglings around it. Uh, stay tuned. Go to Addict Xavier Pope, X-A-B-I-R-P-O-P-E, hashtag Suit Up News to watch the latest episode. There you go. Let's all work on that $500 million dome fund. Can we uh, crowdfund for Chicago and help out Mayor Lightfoot? All right, Panda. <laughs> Xavier, we'll see you. Later, guys. Love you. There, there he is, Xavier Pope. We love you, too. We love you, too. Uh, four o'clock hours on the way. We've been doing UNLV opponent previews. We'll bring up Fresno State. We've been going from the back of the season to the front. So Fresno is three, uh, whatever it is, week uh, week 10, week 11. It's the third to final game, if I can speak English. So Cam Worrell, who played in the NFL and played at Fresno State, coming up in just a couple minutes. Um, I will say, because I think, you know, a, a lot of the anonymous comments you'll get on the Raiders hire of a female, of an African-American female, is kind of snarky, bullcrap, um, you know, it's the same old attitude, hey, do women, do women belong in football? This is a football-slash-mostly-business position. I was just going to say. It is a community, like, I don't think that people, I don't think, I think people are ignorant to right. the understanding that, in reality, it's, and she pointed it out, she, I, think it was, I think it was to uh, our, our fellow company member, Adam Hill, he asked a specific question, she goes, I've run and been in charge of right. a lot of businesses and managed billions of dollars. And that's why she's here, right? The organization is uh, you know, crying out for a little bit of help to run more professionally, and that's the way you have to be when you're a multi-billion dollar organization in 
the National Football League.